Macarriar to Stokes, who's onside! Welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. My name is John Bailey and sat to my left is Mr. Tom Parker. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I think we've got a lot to talk about um, on this episode. Um, As always, I do like to encourage our listeners to get in contact um, with us. You can do that in all the usual ways that you might contact a podcast, which could be email. And in our case, that's saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. You can get in contact with us on Twitter at saintsfcpodcast. Um, you can leave a comment on, on the YouTube videos on the Ugly Inside YouTube channel. So they, they put out the, you know, real life recordings of us. We, we're not actually videoing this. Yeah. So um, my Lucky phone people. is kind of pointing at our faces and we've got a, a side desk lamp pointing at our face as well. So you can <laughs> actually see them illuminated. It's like we're being interrogated yeah. by a very weak-willed interrogator. Exactly, one that doesn't really do anything and just lets you do all the talking. Um, so yeah, leave us a comment on YouTube or you can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and on that note, I think I must have banged on about this quite a lot in the last episode because we had quite a lot of correspondence. So Hey, all feedback is a gift. Yeah, I don't know if we can do a sound effect of shuffling papers, but um, I'm just going to be looking on my laptop here. So um, first person to get a shout out is Tim Wilcox, who's listening in from Hong Kong. Um, he mailed in saying, great podcast, John and Tom. Really enjoyed listening to your most recent episode. Couldn't agree more with much of what you say, in particular the comments about Kruger's vacuous and meaningless tripe. I found both enlightening and somehow cathartic. Uh, almost like attending therapy when someone else articulates exactly how stupid that interview was. Um, That's nice feedback. Yeah, not great feedback for, for Ralph Kruger. Um, Tim listens in from Hong Kong. He's surrounded by plastic fans who support Liverpool, Chelsea, United, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, thanks for, for giving us a shout out. Tim also had some... He sent an email after the Watford game, so we might go through some of his comments later. I'll see if yeah. I can dig that up. Uh, Nick Hingston uh, emailed in. He said, you're best yet. I have been critical, but this was less dull. That's, that is <laughs> damn by faith praise there. <laughs> um, Thanks, says, Nick. And you were showing some passion, top marks for the comments on Redmond and supporting the player. Um, so thank you, Nick. Uh, William Porteous Blythe. I've just started listening to the show literally about 10 days in it's loving just, it. Sorry, just the most amazing name. It's like a pirate. Yeah. William Porteous Blythe. It's incredible. It, yeah. I mean, he sounds like he could go gallivanting across the uh, empire, like a, a doesn't he? Highwayman or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, so William's been in touch. Um, he enjoyed the uh, Pellegrino episode and the latest one. Uh, he's also a podcaster himself. And he has a podcast called The Limehouse Podcast, which is a politics podcast. So oh. if you want to move on from interviews with, you know, Michael Svensson, Ken Moncow, and go on to interviews with Nick Clegg and Michael Heseltine, 
Wow. Then, um, yeah, you can you can head over and check out William's podcast, the Limehouse podcast. So if you if you're feeling political, you might want to go there. Um, YouTube comments, great Tash, thank you. Standards, <laughs> um, Phil Palmer, boys, I love your podcast. Eloquent, thoughtful, packed with insight. But no, no, no. At 18 minutes and 37 seconds in, I hear your Man United's, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. I can't bear to hear players or teams pluralise like that. Stop it, please. That's, I forgive you. That might well be me. I apologise. I, th- I, I think will it, I think it was me this time. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mm. Um, oh, well, there's, a, there's a few more bits and pieces. I think maybe we'll come back to that because we've got to get into the Saints stuff as well. So um, where should we start? Should we start with the draw against Watford? Yeah, if we, I mean, we have to, don't we? Yeah, I think it's good. Does this game on its own typify the entire Saints season? Uh, no, because we scored two goals. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and we scored goals um, from open play. So, no, I, I don't think it does. It it does, however, um, typify something we'll, we'll come to, which um, which is a negative aspect. But, you know, shall we be positive? Yeah, so well, let's start with the first half because it was we were pretty on good. fire. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, Watford did look awful, um, a shadow of their, you know, their early season self. But we were all over them. We were full of energy, full of running. Talek looked really good. Uh, Ward Prowse seemed like it, it kicked on from the Fulham game. Shane um, Long, Shane again. Long was just was was being the best Shane Long can be. Yeah, uh, there was a lot to be positive. It was really exciting, and you kind of felt, oh god, maybe we've done it. This is it. Like, the you know, we needed to kick on after Fulham, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, and uh, and it it did look really good. That you know, there was a lot of hustle and bustle. There was a lot of good you know passing in amongst the side. You mentioned James Will Prowse, mentioned Shane Long, Pierre Mahoyberg again was was doing the stuff. Tadit looked, I mean, Tadit looked very controlled yeah. and very cool. Um, and we had two goals from open play from James Will Prowse. Um, Hen's teeth, those. Yeah, I, th- I think the first one was, you know, very well taken, nicely, you know, slotted in. And um, the second goal, you were a particular fan of, weren't you? Tell us what you really enjoyed about that. I, th- I thought it was quite a cool goal. There's a, my favourite goal this season. Uh, has been uh, Vardy's guy, I think against Man United, where Mares long ball goes over the top and Mares runs and then just kind of stops, stands still, gives the Man United defender the eyes and just lays it off to Vardy, who flies in mm. and lashes it home. And I, I find that kind of football, almost like Michael Jackson, smooth yeah. criminal style football, quite cool. And I think there was a great moment where the ball comes, Shane Long does amazing. He flies down the wing, out muscles the guy, brilliant pass to Taddeck, and you think, it's Taddeck. Please don't try and shoot. And he doesn't. He just goes, ah, oh, I'll just lay this. And he, he controls it dead, lays it off. And, and it's a smooth, great finish from Ward Prowse. When Tadic wants to be good, he's so good, isn't it's he? It's unplayable. And, and, you know, and it's another assist. Yeah. It's just, an, uh, you know, we, we, one thing we've spoken about on this uh, this podcast many times is he is a very infuriating player. Yeah. Uh, and, and people call for him to be dropped. But statistically, he's probably amongst the, our best. The, the main reason why he's infuriating is because he's so good and he doesn't do it all the time. Yeah. And he makes he makes a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Shane Long as well. Took a touch, didn't he, for that chance to make it 3-0. That, yeah. that could have been, you know, Watford dead and buried. An informed striker, an Aguero, yeah. uh, wouldn't have done that. No, um, we don't have an Aguero, though. Definitely. So let's go to the negatives. Um, we can, I think, just move straight on into the second half, can't we? This this yeah. was very much an old cliche, a game of two halves. First half brilliant, second half all went horribly wrong, didn't it? 
Yeah, it's something we've spoken about many, many times on the podcast is, is about uh, the in-game management and about how you see games in the second half. Um, and I, I don't know how many games we've been winning at half time to, you know, to, to, to lose or not get points from, but we've, we've, you just see it and you see Watford go into the game. You see Troy Deeney come on, you know, they're going to go route one and we just don't seem to be able to cope with it. And I think it's, it's really strange. We've got centre backs that like Steven, who I is, I think is a really good player and could have a great career, but he's not great in the air no. for a centre back. It's very strange. He's not very good in the air and neither is Yoshida. Um, and we just really failed to cut the supply lines off and they just kept lobbing that ball in and, well, you pointed out something on the first goal of those. It's just, um, yeah, when the ball was kind of bouncing around in the box, say it, it kind of comes off the crossbar, doesn't it? And then it like bounces on the ground and just no one was really attacking it from the Saints players. And um, it was Troy Deeney who got the goal, wasn't it? He was just well, like, no, it was Andre Gray. It was Andre Gray yeah. who got the goal, um, and he just seemed to be the only person to really react. But it was almost to the ball like, in any sort of purpose. It was almost like they thought a whistle had gone. Yeah, uh, and it hadn't. And it was a shame for McCarthy because it was a great save. But you know, you you wanted like a Hoyt just to be running in there and just to head that ball over or head it out of play or just get out of the way. Or but you don't. Everyone just kind of stands still and looks. Yeah, that, I mean that's that was a kind of real like if your players are doing the kind of last ditch stuff and they're really fighting for the second ball, someone gets to that. Yeah. Or at least someone, even if they don't get to it and Andre Gray is still the first of the ball, at least there's someone there hassling him and, and it makes gives it a chance for it, you know, for him to miss it. Yeah. Um, the second goal, I don't think we can get away from the fact that this was an awful refereeing yeah. decision. Um, you know, the ball comes in and it's clearly off his hand um, it, but, but it can't have been that. I mean, it can't have been that clear. Yeah. Well, so, so, so this is the thing. I think only two Saints players really reacted no, to it. I, I always think in these things, you can tell from the reaction of the players. Yeah. And I think to a man, like to a man, the Saints players, like every everyone who was nearby, it turned and lifted yeah. off the handball, and I, and that tells you a lot. But what on earth are we doing? You know what? Ninety second minute. It's the heartbreak, and you know it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's so predictable. I mean, even if they didn't get an illegitimate goal, I mean, the chances are they created enough in that second half to, to pull the, the two-goal lead back. And that's the thing that's so frustrating is why can't Pellegrino see that when a team puts a, up a big man and starts playing direct, well, I mean, he, he must be able to see it. Why can't he do anything to manage but, that? But also, not only must he be able to see it, but the amount of research and scouting and reporting and analysis that you imagine, well, you'd hope that goes into these games. Um, I don't know, like maybe you can't imagine that someone only like Eric Black, who now obviously is no longer with the club, mm. can be like, oh, what they're going to do now is because that guy's massive, they're going to yeah. pop the ball into the box load. So watch out for that. You must, they must know what a Troy Deeney does. Yeah. And Pellegrino was a decent defender for a lot of decent clubs. You know, he had a play pretty impressive yeah, career. Won European Cups. I mean, do, have they seriously only ever been playing tic-a-tac of football in Spain for his entire career that he's never seen what happens when you lob a big ball up to the big man? It's naivety. Well, I think he's shown, um, you know, we've been quite, I think, staunch defenders of him, I think, throughout the year for what's been a very difficult year. But one thing we spoke about time and time again is, 
is in-game management. And also, I just think he underestimates people. He underestimated Wolves. He underestimated Wolves. Yeah. And we lost. And I, I think he he maybe just doesn't, I don't know, he underestimates he, I, people. He, he doesn't get the strength and depth of, of the English league, I don't think. Yeah, you're not playing a Spanish farmhands every week. This yeah. is, you know, even the player like what, Troy Deeney can really hurt you. Yeah. Um, one of the players which uh, really took the flack for the game. So, I mean, there were a few things that took flack for, for this result. One was the lack of VAR, which is the video assistant referee. Um, obviously, if there was VAR, there's no way that goal would have stood. It would have been 2-1 to Saints. I don't understand. Isn't VAR on trial? So is it, it, VAR's not on is trial it just in the in Premier the, League. So it's just in the, the FA, FA Cup. Cup. Yeah. So Why? the Premier League have not sanctioned it. But um, the FA are quite keen to try it out. So that's why you've seen it in a few games in the FA Cup. Uh, they've been playing with it in Italy. I think the stats um, from Italy about halfway through the season is since the advent of VAR, um, it, it's it's definitely helped. So from all the incidents that go to VAR, following that, and then further analysis after the decisions made, you know, they're, they're getting well over ninety percent of the decisions right that, that go to VAR. So I, think, yeah. I mean, it's not infallible. There'll still be controversy. No, I think it was a good one. But stuff the other like day. that will be obvious. Oh, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, and you have to look. It's the sad thing is, it's no longer a game. It, it, it's a multinational, multi-billion-pound business, and decisions like that come the end of the season. Uh, we'll come to the table, but we all know how tight the table is. That's two points lost for Saints. But you can quantify two points, but what you can't possibly quantify is the uh, emotional and psychological and damage to morale that that, uh, the terrible decision like that makes. Yeah. Um, Do we want to move on to Tim from Hong Kong's email? I mean, I'm looking at this. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a rant. He's, He's got some serious word count there. I mean, it's quite it's quite rambling. Let's just pick up, you know, um, so he goes through Pellegrino's kind of decisions about why he's chosen the team. He says, firstly, isn't Oriol already playing in front of the back four? And this is in, in respect to him saying that you know, he decides to put Oriol in front of the back four to defend the lead, which obviously did, didn't work. Um, you know, that's what he's in the team to do, surely. He's certainly not there to assist or score goals. Secondly, if Tadic is playing too deep so he can't press the Watford centre-back, why didn't he instruct Tadic to do exactly that? Or if he's not doing it, then bring on someone else. Anyway, this this carries on and he pretty much yeah, lists really a, lot goes, of, a lot of the players. Really goes for it. There's some um, caps lock in there. Yeah. I, I think basically the point here that, that Tim is trying to make and the sentiments which I get is it's that in-game management, isn't it? Sort your players out when they're not doing it. If something changes during the match where you're going to have to shift your tactics, change the way you're playing, or you need something a bit more from one of the players... Why is he not able to do that? Why is he not able to get Tadic to, to run a bit harder and track down? Why is he not able to kind of get Romeo to, to sit in front of the back four and actually defend the, the big, you know, the, against the big boys and the long yeah. balls? But aren't we being a bit naive here, expecting Tadic, a player who uh, is probably a luxury player? Mm. Uh, if, if, if our game-winning strategy against another team who are really in the crap as much as we are yeah. depends on Tadic pressing the centre-back, something I don't think I've really ever seen yeah. Tadic do is that really a strategy like shouldn't shouldn't someone like but Tadic I'm, come off yeah at, and shouldn't we have a more defensive minded option like so even like someone like McQueen would come on he would give you the pace to, to go up front but yeah. he would also give you that defensive mindedness at the same time it just seems to be a bit it's all a bit naive I, I, mean, I mean I suppose this is the thing also if you talk about the substitutes that Pellegrino makes so Stephen Davis gets hooked um, you know for his wayward pass he, he gets pulled 
you know, he's substituted off and he's dropped for the next game as well. Say, so, I mean, Pellegrini doesn't accept mistakes, the but, then, but then, but then, perhaps what? Redmond, Forster, yeah, well, Pony all season. But it, there's been quite a few times when a player has given the ball away or like made a mistake that's led to a goal, and they've clearly been used as a scapegoat, and then you know substituted off and then left out the side. I'm not a big fan of that. No team. Well, team uh, teams win matches yeah. players individual players probably goalkeepers aside do not really lose them yeah and he you know the players that he starts are generally our best players so if you hook them off yeah you're instinctively weakening the team the damage has already been done yeah so what are you hooking them off for I mean Stephen Davis is a 34 year old professional do you think he doesn't know when he's made a mistake yeah well I mean this this is the the point that I was going to get to with this is you know Stephen Davis gets taken off and actually he probably would track down and push you know the, the Watford and press if you ask him to if you say right Davis thanks for what you've been doing for the rest of the game so far now I need you to do this I think he would do it whereas Tadic probably doesn't but if you pull Stephen Davis off for making a mistake you're left with maybe a Tadic or, or a Bufal or you know one of those players that yeah. isn't going to do that. But why are you taking up, why are you knowing what the opposition is doing, which is passing the ball back to the centre-backs who then look up and quarterback style pass the ball into the box every time. Why are you taking off a player that A, does, can press high up the pitch and defend, but also is a creative player. We know Stephen Davis, if you're in a tight hole, Stephen Davis is the one that can make a clever pass, a dink, a one touch, a great bit of control to get you out of it. Yeah, it just again we, we you know we said it so it's in game management and he just seems to freeze. Yeah, and and, and this is the thing I, I think at the end of this game it really felt like you know time was probably up on on Pellegrino. I don't think it would have surprised um, anyone if uh, if if he'd have lost his job after this game. So, anyway, stuck with him for the he time go, being. He ain't going nowhere. And this, I, I think, is, I think we're just going to have to accept it. I mean, I've seen all the kind of hashtag Pellegrino out. He's not going anywhere. But, um, you know, slipping into the relegation zone, you know, no wins in 10 games or whatever it it's is. 11, yeah, 11, 11 now. Um, He's, he's clearly not going to get sacked, is he? Because... Can't after the interview. But what's going on? I mean, like, what's going on at the club? Who is Mr... There's bigger things here. Like, who is Mr. Gao? Yeah. Where is his money? Like, wh- who is this guy, this Chinese guy that we've sold 80% of the club to? What are Reed and Kruger doing? Yeah. What's Katrina Lever doing with her 20%? Yeah. Now, like, there's... This club is just... A, we, are, we are now... What's the date now? We are 20... What, 22nd? January we appear to be no yeah. closer to a signing um, we've got well yeah we'll come to the transfer but what's going on Pelle, you know Pellegrino is just a symptom there's a there's a bigger problem here okay are we going to get into that bigger problem now or should we go let's, let's, let's talk sh- about should we talk about Saints versus Spurs talk, talk about Saints, a, bit, a bit positive and then we'll go okay. deep <laughs> Because I wanted to go quite positive after this, because you obviously people listen to this with their with their spare time. But Pellegrino is looking pretty miffed. I mean, we laid into Kruger in the last um, podcast episode um, and that bizarre interview, and I mean, we just don't know anything about 
are on you own a gal really i mean we, we've heard a little bit about he wants to do something with the stadium that doesn't involve putting more seats in i think he had a focus group in china for chinese Southampton fans i actually genuinely saw yeah. a picture of that uh, w- which is wonderful i guess I mean, it's it's great for the the Saints fans in China to get yeah. a chance to meet him and, and see him and, and hear from him. He will regularly, I imagine, uh, travel to St Mary's and watch games, home and, and away games. Well, I, I mean, let, let's let's see what happens. I mean, we, do, we basically don't really know anything about him, do we? I mean, I haven't. There's nothing really there for us to talk about yet. No, I mean, and also he's not had an impact. I mean, if you look at the way the 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 tie owners uh, put a sort of real stamp on Leicester City, yeah, you know, in terms of almost make them some would say like almost like a Thai football club in yeah. terms of like you know revering the Thai royal family but they like you know free beer uh, like you know the guy shows up in his helicopter yeah you know, like, you know. he's like at least it was kind of interesting. Well, I did notice at the uh, St. Spurs game there was some uh, advertising for a Chinese betting company so you know perhaps that hey. is the that oh. is the start Onwards and upwards. Yeah. Uh, for those of you hearing the sirens, we do record this in Hackney, so um, it is a, an occasional sound that we have to put up with. Um, so the draw with Tottenham Hotspur, I think going into this game, not many people had much in the way of any sort of hope. We lost 5-2 um, to them on Boxing Day and at Wembley. And last th- year when we got murdered at home, yeah. was that like 5-1 or something? Yeah, for, I think oh. it was 4-1. That was horrible. I was there, but I just... I've managed to kind of block out yeah. most of that. Um, Say, so, I mean, we're, with the game against Spurs, the 5 2 game on Boxing Day, we we're probably lucky to get away with 5 2. Um, pro- yeah. Probably lucky to get the two goals, maybe lucky to have not conceded more. But going into the game at St. Mary's, not really feeling particularly positive about anything. We've managed a, another gallant performance against one of the, the bigger sides, and we've got ourselves a point. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's weird how they can lift their game. I mean, Spurs are apparently not on top form, but... Um, but but they're still a good side, regardless of whether they're on form or not. And they've got and Harry they've got Kane, players. who legally has to score at least twice against us in a game. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good result. Like You've got to give them credit. They reacted. Um, they reacted. They were despondent after the Watford game and they've come out there and they took the lead and all right, they conceded virtually immediately afterwards. Yeah. But, um, but it's a good result. But, but, but it was good, you know. It was nice to see, um, I think it was like a Tadic long ball down the line, Ryan Bertram running onto it, sw- you know, fizzed the ball into the box. Um, Gabby Adini was just behind Sanchez, but Sanchez, you know, did the honours and decided it's to slot nice, it man. into the bottom corner. Um, pass is it Michel Vorm I think was in goal yeah. for Tottenham um, that I mean that was great I think you know had Sanchez not got to the ball Gabbiadini probably would have done so well at least we know that Sanchez definitely scored yeah so we'll take that well we we'll definitely take that um, then Eric Dyer hit the post and then Harry Kane bullied Jack Stevens to the equaliser didn't he yeah that can be one of our, our samples just put in the name and then bully jack stevens yeah. <laughs> and that sounds harsh on jack stevens oh, i really like him i think he's yeah. such a good footballer uh he's such a talent and he uh, he's so skillful on the ball and he's he's obviously very committed but he's just in the air and I don't, he's a big lad he's a big guy so i don't understand i mean maybe just in the pre-season they just need to work on that because that seems to be where his game is weak can i um suggest something which uh maybe unpopular with kind of traditional football fans but right uh jack stevens was man marking harry kane in the box right so it was 
that was his one job. So he just had to look after Harry Kane, which meant that Harry Kane only had to bully one player. And then once he'd kind of dealt with Jack Stevens, he had a free run at the ball. Is this actually an example where zonal marking would be much better because the players know the area they're supposed to be and they attack the ball and they don't worry about the player. So they're not getting pushed around by the players. They just go and they attack the ball and they clear the ball if it comes into their zone. I'm just trying to think who else Spurs have that we were really worried about in the air. Maybe Deer. So who? Are, who I mean, Deli Ali's also scored. Yeah, Deli Ali's not bad. Scored in the air, is he? Um, headers against us in the past. But you just think like Harry Kane is their number one goal threat. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like they aren't a one man team, but they're probably as close as you can find to a one man team in the Premier League. And um, why? I don't know. Stevens, like he just he just gets lost. And and the problem is this isn't. Like you know, a Shane Long or or a yeah. Taddeck that you're marking. It's Harry Kane. He just he scores for fun, and it was just so so fast and so horrible. I sound, I sound a bit traumatized. Yeah, but again, isn't this where you know if you have a manager who's you know a defender with a, a fantastic career, um, you'd kind of expect him to be able to take someone who's like clearly got talent i mean stevens has got talent he is there's a good central defender in there he's got great skill on the ball he's fast he's got a good pass he's got a good yeah he's got all good he dribble. needs is someone to drill in that defensive sensibility when it comes to heading yeah it's weird i, I don't understand it i would say even like romeo you'd think would be a better bet yeah uh who's certainly a more aggressive player harry kane is a has many brilliant traits one mm. of the things that people probably don't give him credit for is a bit like Anne Shearer, is how aggressive and how nasty he is and how how much he wants to score goals. I mean that that is a similar trait with a lot of very successful centre forwards. Yeah. You know, I He's remember Ruud van Nistelrooy was a horrible. Yeah, yeah. But you, you kind of have to be really aggressive. Yeah, and then he's got that. So I mean, let's. So it gets to one-one. So you know, this is us surrendering a lead again. I mean, we didn't have the lead for very long, so it didn't perhaps feel as frustrating as the surrendering of the lead as against Arsenal or Palace, Palace or Brighton or. Anyway, Um, rest of the game, though, there was a lot of fight about the players and they did create a lot of chances and it could have gone either way this game. Yeah, I think at the end of it, they said, uh, you know, both managers will be disappointed to not win. Yeah, uh, which is quite unusual. Um, Yeah, who who knows? I mean, we we kind of had these false dawns, haven't we? Uh, A few times. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jack Stevens had a headed opportunity. We should stop talking about Jack Stevens heading the ball. But, but we were there at Fulham. Oh, and it was we were like, there at Fulham. It was like, six, yard, it was like yeah. six yards in front of us. The ball just hits his head and like 50p head just pings off yeah. in the wrong direction. Um, uh, I bet you wonder like if he... If he'd got that goal against Fulham, he might have had the confidence just to. And yeah, I think Saints player gave him in. a little bit of a. Oh, it was a you know it wasn't an easy chance. Yeah. Ward Prowse did hit it at his head from seven or eight yeah. yards out in the middle of the goal. He basically had to hit it anywhere on target that wasn't a ball, and he would have scored. Yeah, um, Buffal as well when he had his chance took a touch. Um, <sighs> you know, maybe should have just thumped it first time. And uh, we saw a, 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 you know, maybe a new star in the in the making, uh, Michael Obafemi, who came on with about ten minutes to go, and he had oh what a chance he had fizzed across the fizzed, front of goal fizzed across I think Tadic almost hit it too hard and too high. That's why I'm gonna maybe make my excuses. But isn't it exciting to see a young player come through? Yeah, and and to be in that sort of position as well. I mean. He, 
he probably should have just hit it with his left foot. He's, he's clearly right-footed. He didn't quite make the contact. It, it mm. would have made more sense with his left foot. But um, you know what, though? It's gr- great to see a Saint striker in front of the goal in the dying minutes of the game looking to get the winner and looking like they've got a really good chance to get the win. Yeah. We haven't seen that that enough this season. No. Um, so I've got to take that as a um, you know, real positive. Um, Michael Opafemi, what, what do you know about him, Tom? Should I give you my little lay down on the please, bit of research that I've done do, since, yes. since yesterday? I followed him on Twitter. I had, I had more Twitter followers than him yesterday, which I was quite proud of. Yes, I mean, when I checked his Twitter account, I think he had about 230 followers. I presume it's a little bit more than that yeah, now. 427 at the end of the game. Okay. So he's still behind me, but yeah. he's doing all right. Good kid. <laughs> um, so he's 17 years old. He's the second youngest player to play for Saints in the Premier League after Luke Shaw. Nick Shaw is all right, isn't he? Um, So who is he? Should we be excited? Well, um, we signed him from Leighton Orient in 2016. Can we say he's a youth product? Well, I mean, he was signed from the Leighton Orient youth team into the Saints youth team. 2016, he was probably only 15, 16. 2016, yeah. We'll still take that. Yeah. 15, 16 years old. um, Comes into the youth setup. In the under-18s this season, where he's been playing most of his football, he's had 11 games, which he scored nine goals and got one assist. Um, and I've, I've looked at uh, the highlights of some of his goals. And one of the kind of, you know, he's got a tidy finish on him and also a lot of pace and, and a bit of strength as well. He's not like a big guy. Yeah, but he, he's, he looked quite, he's quite strong. He looked quite short. Yeah, short um, and strong, Short I'd and strong, like a bit like a barrel. Yeah. Um, but a quick barrel. He was very quick, quick barrel, off the mark. Like a, a he, he barrel was... over Niagara Falls. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I was, you know, I was impressed in the kind of eight or nine minutes that, that he had on the pitch. Um, you know, he very easily, very nearly could have had a, a goal. And what a goal that would have been. You know, what an announcement. To... Oh, it would have been amazing. It would, um, have been, it would have been a bit. Yeah, it would have been, I don't know, like. When was dream the last start, time? wasn't it? Yeah. That would have been. I don't know. It's so good to see young players come through. And it's not. We talk, We spoke about the Southampton way uh, in depth. I think in the last last issue of the podcast. But one of the things we've really we've really lost is the young player production line. Yeah. Um, although having said that, we had Stevens and we had Ward Prowse starting on on Sunday. Two more that probably than most teams sort of managed. Um, but you know we kind of had that. We've got a lot of players that seem to be very good, like Hesketh, yeah, uh, McQueen. That don't seem to be able to cut through, and you know, I watched the I watched the Norwich game uh, against against Chelsea the other night, and it was only one game. But Harrison Reed, like just bullying people all over that pitch. I I think Harrison Reed could be really good. I think we talked about him before when we were talking about uh, Jordi Classy. Um, you know, Obafemi coming through. I think that's exciting. I think Josh Sims is back from injury and, and I, there I, thereabouts in the first team I squad. Love. Um, so you know, there there could be some exciting youth uh, developments towards the latter half of the season but we, we just really need to get those points don't we well, the, the, we, we need to create an gonna... environment where it's comfortable to bring them in and the thing is like, if you look at your set your Saints and your you know your, your, your Pellegrino and your Reed and your Kruger you're looking at it and you're doing the numbers and how much is relegation going to cost you are you going to want to put your faith in uh, an Obafemi or are you going to want to put your faith in a Shane Long I probably think they're going to put their faith in the latter yeah well I, I guess you know the other place where they could put their faith in is the transfer market which, I've heard about other. Is this the thing that other clubs do that we don't? Yeah, I mean, we're in the January transfer window now. Well, we do. We just have uh, one particular way of doing it, which is called sell rather. Than oh yeah, we have, ours is a one-way door. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So we're three weeks into the, the transfer market and um, Tom, what, what do you think of our new signings so far? I've been very impressed. Um, look, I genuinely believe actually we don't need to sign anyone right now. I, I, I do believe that because I don't think they're going to get anyone any good. And this Guerrillo character that people are talking about has scored G- four goals. Carrillo <laughs> has scored four goals uh, in, in the French league. Um, for Monaco and by all I mean if we put that in perspective Neymar scored four goals in one game mm. at the weekend um, I mean I French don't think not very we strong. were necessarily going to be going for Neymar yeah but, but the yeah. French league is, is not is is not very strong yeah I think everyone knows that outside of the top two or three four teams it, it's not very strong and play and teams like Monaco bully other teams yeah um, and I think that you know is he going to get us out of this I, I, I mean, I mean I we, we, we're not expecting Sam Gallagher. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether how good he is really. Um, you know, I've done what everyone does when we get you know linked with a player that you've not necessarily heard much about before. Let's go on YouTube and look at the compilation videos. The one thing that I, I would say um, in favour of us going for Guido Carrillo is, you know, he's a big centre forward. He would give us another dimension, right? So is so, Charlie Austin. Yeah, but Charlie Austin's always injured. Um, and, and Charlie Austin's not like tall. He's big in the kind of way that I mean, you don't want to be big anymore, Tom. He's big in the way yeah. that taxi drivers and yeah. bouncers are big. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, when you've got Gabbiadini, when you've got Shane Long, um, you know, even with, uh, with a new guy, Michael Obafembi coming in, you know, again, he's not he's not like a big man. He's not a target man. When you look at how effective we were with Graziano Pella, that that extra element of the game is something that could be quite useful. Even if you only buy him to throw in for the last 20 minutes when it's like 1-1 or 0-0 and you're looking for a way to kind of break down the door you know, and you want to change the tactics, you want to maybe put two up front with a big man and a little man to play off. Then then I think, you know, maybe that is the sort, sort of player that we could do in the mix of the first team squad. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing is we're talking about Zani, a big goal scorer, a big goal scorer. Um, you know, Charlie Austin is, is currently injured. He's mm. due back um, next month. Uh, yeah. Again, I'll say it. I don't, I don't think we're going to get the players that we need. Yeah. And I do think the players we've got motivated and trained and deployed in the right way can easily can, can get us out of this see and, and this is this is the thing that I would say with um with Quincy Promise so the guy that we're rumored yeah. to be Spartak Moscow Spartak Moscow 30 million pounds is the price tag that I've I've heard which sounds more than Saints are likely to want to spend on anyone um watching his YouTube compilation videos I'd say he's they've gone for someone who looks like he can play like Sadio Mane um but so this is my caveat, could be a little bit like a Buffal. So you have like YouTube videos of him playing against, you know, weaker opposition. He can take the ball around them quite effectively. He can do the tricks and skills and finishes. But the reality is, is when you get into the Premier League, it's not quite as simple as that, is it? No, and also it's going to come from the, the Russian league, which is an unknown quantity. Yeah. And um, I don't know, again... Do we need is is if we think of what we really really need? Well, I don't think do we, we need, need another talented winger. mercurial a, yeah. winger. 
Like a Tadic or a Buffon yeah, or a... or Redmond. Redmond. I, d- I don't know how many of those do you really need. Yeah. Um, but then we could say this. I, I think really what we probably needed was a really dominant centre-back because I, I think as Hoyt, as all the qualities he has, he actually doesn't appear to be... A commander. A commander, like yeah. a real... For the size he is, he doesn't appear to be that really dominant centre-back in the same way that like a, like a Van Dyke was. Um so I think that's probably what we needed. Mm. Uh, and I think we needed one of those with Premier League experience. I, I think we actually probably need like a Harry Maguire or we need an Alfie Moores or we needed um, the chap who was at Middlesbrough who something Gibson. Oh, yeah. Was it Ben Gibson? He was very good. I, I think that's probably the kind of player we need. We needed like a, a classic, no nonsense, lump it. We need a Michael Svensson, don't we? Killer. Bring yeah. him back. Oh, Mike, you could do it. I would just take him back for the coaching. You know, just get him to teach Jack Stevens how to defend a cross. Yeah, but why not? What's the what generally is the word? I mean, we you know you spoke to Marcus Svensson. He wants experience in coaching. Yeah, I mean, he's he's currently Send manager of the Swedish second division side, which maybe is not the most glamorous thing. But he knew, how to, break. he knew how to clear a ball with his head. Didn't yeah, he? and, but is it something that we spoke? You know, our manager was a top class centre back. Yeah, who won Spanish league titles and won European titles? Well, like, what's I going mean, on? Some, something's missing there. So some of the players that we've missed out on, uh, we missed out on Theo Walcott. He's gone to Everton. I'm fine with that. You're fine with that. I'm kind of fine with that as well. In, in me, there is the romantic that would love to see Walcott back in a Saints shirt, tearing down the wing, taking it round. You know, confused-looking defenders and curling it into the top corner. But I think that was much more exciting when he was 16 years old. And he's not really done that. Yeah, if you look, he's, I think he's, in his entire time at Arsenal, he played more than 30 games in a season once. Yeah. Um, well, he had a really good season last season, didn't he? Was it the season before? And then he got injured. Yeah. He, but that's, cl- that, that yeah. sentence there, you could, you could say that probably about his entire career. Yeah. And I, that, that's, I don't wish him any ill will. And, you know, it would have been nice for him to come back, but at 20 million pounds and 110,000 pounds a week, whatever it is, mm. um, yeah, only if you've got, the billionaire owners that Everton have got, are you going to sign that player? Yeah. I mean, what they're owned by Arsenal anyway, aren't they? So it's not, Some not sort of surprising that thing, there's yeah. a, a little deal going on between Arsenal and Everton. Um, Daniel lawyers are listening, by the way, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Clearly not intended to be defamatory. <laughs> good, good cover there, Tom. Um, Daniel Sturridge was another player that we were rumored to be with. I, that just doesn't seem like a Saints signing to me. What's he's still actually relatively young. This is the weird thing about like Sturridge. He's like Twilight Zone. He's like 28. I think um, but yeah I don't know again we I mean the amazing thing was we could have signed Walcott and Sturridge mm. we'd have added probably best part of a quarter of a million pounds a week to our wage bill a million pounds a month we, we could have maybe spent I don't know 30 million pounds on mm. those two players not even half of the Van Dyke money well, probably half one should take out no, I, I think you'd have probably spent 50 million pounds together I think you'd have had 30 million for Sturridge 20 million think? for Walcott oh yeah. god I hope not but like they could have and easy that's then. It, that's but, it. That's all you, your Van Dyke money gone in two we, players who could, could then get injured yeah, in the next game. You could see them both walking out against Spurs. Yeah. And, and like hamstring going on, on Sturridge and, you know, Walcott getting a twitch in his knee. And that's it. They just don't play again for the rest of the season. It's an entirely realistic proposition. Yeah. So I think we, we dodged a bullet there. And there's a reason why only Everton were in for Walcott. And there's a reason why no one went in for storage. Yeah. Um, let's do a quick bit of a 
you know some some more stuff from from the reader from the readers from the listeners um last time we talked about uh pierre emil hoiberg and we thought about could we have a nickname because like i'm not sure that i'm pronouncing that correctly and it's quite long um christian gamroth uh says glad you like hoiberg i'm from denmark like him p-e-h is a cool nickname so is pierre emil I'm not sure I actually agree with you, Christian. I thought Danes were a lot cooler than that. Yeah. I mean, what what would you call him in Denmark, Christian? Let's think of something a bit... You Does know, he have a nickname for the national team? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be interesting. See, if you, Christian, do some investigating for us and, and drop us do another our, YouTube comment. Christian, do, do our job. Yeah. Do um, Matthew, uh, JBD Gaming, calls him Big Dane. Yeah, I works. Mean, big, does what it says in the tin. Not necessarily yeah, the first word I associate with him. Um, but, you know, Valiant Atepti. And uh, Simon Hill reckons Pilu. That um, that sounds like something... Yeah. I'm not sure about Pilu. Yeah. Sounds I, like I, a I, cartoon I, penguin. Yeah. Like Pingu. Yeah. Um, let's go on to the next comment. So I don't think we've nailed Pierre Mohoibergs. That rolls on. Yeah, yeah, that rolls on for another week. Uh, Dave Beach recently said, have to agree with you, seem to play better against the top teams. Well, this you know, point is kind of um, solidified by the fact that we drew against Spurs and drew against Watford. Um, I feel we should be kick-starting some of the young guys um, who'd love to get in the first team. Well, we've also seen a 17-year-old come through, so maybe Dave Beach is going to be feeling a bit happier. Um, you also gives Kruger a bit of a kicking. Uh, this chairman needs to go. You cannot run an English football club like the NFL or NHL, which is where Kruger came from. These are closed big boy clubs. Nobody gets promoted or relegated. Also, if think small, you stay small. I would love to know what the Southampton long-term goals are. I think that's a good point. Just on that very quickly, they used to do the forums, didn't they, with the the, with the, the fans? And they used to sit in front of the fans. I know those have kind of gone, like the Arsenal ones have yeah. been particularly visceral. But um, yeah, what is the plan? What's the aspiration? Maybe I, it's just not to get relegated. I, d- I just don't know. I think, you know, for the fir- for the next you know, three, four months, it should be get out of the, you know, pile of stinking turd that we're in right now yeah. would be useful. And get rid of the dead wood. Yeah. Um, I do think we need to freshen up the squad a bit. I think Gardos yeah. still stealing and living. I saw the other day. <laughs> Gardos appears to be a professional footballer whose job is to go to schools and hospitals. Yeah, I wonder if Stuart Taylor's is a bit like that as well. Yeah, well, probably, just, at least Taylor's a coach. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this this is kind of like on the what's gone wrong. Uh, have we just have we done enough on Kruger? I mean, I don't think either of us are particularly happy with him. We think that interview is totally bizarre. He's tied himself in knots. It's going to be very difficult to sack Pellegrino without looking like a complete tool. Is that all that's said and done on Kruger? Can we say anything more about him? The the clever thing that Kruger does is he, uh, and they do this a lot at Senior Southampton, they only work with very trusted journalists. This is something I uh, pointed out to someone on Twitter the other day. Uh, my job is working with journalists. Uh, companies and organisations have journalists that view them favourably and mm. therefore they give stories to those journalists knowing that they'll get uh, reported uh, in the way they'd like to be reported. Yeah, uh, Southampton clearly do that with the Daily Telegraph. Um, they just, if you look at any story that comes out in the Daily Telegraph, it's always the inside story of this, the yeah. real story behind X. There was in the, uh, the other day uh, in the Telegraph a story that 
um, you know, Pellegrino was under pressure. And it, it's uh, Sam Wallace, who's a very, very good reporter, as I understand mm. it, football reporter of the Telegraph, gets a lot of Saints scoops. Saints have a long-running uh, history of sort of first three or four, five years of giving uh, access to the Daily Telegraph Yeah, uh, in exchange for very, very positive Where, stories. Whereas we had a... Um I think Rupert Lowe sued the Times, didn't he, when you know, during yeah, his tenure? So that yeah. always works. Yeah. So they do that. Um, no, I, I met Sam Wallace when I got invited oh, to the you? club. Yeah. You're one of your media mates, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it, yeah, it is clear that Saints are trying to keep keep the media on side. I mean, I don't know whether I don't from think the they club. Are, do, they, do you think they listen to this podcast? I mean, why, why, I did I, why did I get an invite to that? I hope they've got better things to do. <laughs> But maybe they don't. I mean, they probably do. Someone probably at some point gives yeah. you a listen. If you do, hi. Lovely to... Lovely I mean, to, I really, really enjoyed playing football yeah. on the first team pitch. That, that was great. I enjoyed meeting Pellegrino. He's a nice guy. I just... I think he's he's a bit lacking at the moment as a manager for, for a Premier League football club. Well, I think the, the table tells you that story. Yeah. But um, but to, to, to where we were, I, I don't think... Um, you know, I think we've got this thing of giving nice stories to to nice journalists, and uh, the other story, which was a great story from the weekend's papers, I think, was Les Reed. And I won't go into detail here because I don't know enough about it. But there was a story that Les Reed may have a conflict of interest because his son, who is an agent, represents a number of young players at Southampton. So, I mean, that's not good, is it? I mean, that, and that was in, I think, the Sun or the Mirror reported yeah. that. And I think there's a there's a question to answer there. Uh, is yeah, that is without doubt a conflict of interest. So um, interesting. But the club, when when it comes to stuff like that, the difficult things, they just go a little bit quiet. It's like with Eric Black was, um, in, you know. Um, when they did the sting on Sam Allardyce yeah, that was, in, in England, that was a Telegraph story. To yeah, fair, I mean, yeah. he he got he got done in that. I mean, he didn't do anything illegal. He just, but he he alluded to the fact that you it's, could do illegal things. It's if you not write bad, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's it, not bad. It wasn't great, right? So let's let's move on from the club hierarchy. It's not. It's never really been a fun topic. I mean, the only time it's ever been fun was um uh was when we had you know the the lieber family come and rescue us really but, and but the whole run-up to that was just awful but Marcus, this is a Marcus symptom. lieber is the only yeah joyful owner that i can think of but this is a symptom of modern football i think where like i remember speaking to my dad about this a few years ago you never used to know the chairman yeah chairman of football clubs were not like were non-existent they just were these grandees that sat in the background. Like, why nowadays do we know the managing director of the club? Why now do we know who the chairman is? It, it shows that either they're in the media too much. Mm. I don't know. Like, I just think it's weird that they're they're even a thing. Yeah. Um, right, let's move on to the next games then. Uh, Watford at home in the FA Cup. We owe them. We do. And um, Watford have changed their manager since we last played them. Yeah. And it makes you think maybe Saints dodged a bullet with Silva. Well, I've seen a lot of people saying that they would like to see Marco Silva come in at Saints, but but he clearly can, can you make an argument for that? I don't know if you can at the moment. Well, you you can't because the teams are in a uh, virtually similar position, so you can't argue that you know Hull got relegated. All right, he did everything he could not to get Hull relegated. Watford haven't looked great. He clearly lost focus after the Everton. Uh, debacle um and you know whilst we're not romantic and we think that no one is going to stay with saints forever if silver came in now 
and he keeps us up. And we actually, you know, we finish the season on a bit of a roll. The next season, well, he'll be gone. Someone flutters their Straight eyes away. at him. He's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Or if he doesn't go, it's going to happen what happened to Watford where they fall off a cliff. Yeah. And maybe better the devil you know. Yeah. I, d- I mean, I don't know if I can make an ar- argument for Pellegrino either, but I don't think I can make an argument for, for Marcus Silva. He, he had a very impressive record in Portugal and um, I think Greece it was, and, yeah, was it Greece yeah. that yeah. he was in before? And um, yeah, he did well with Hull. He started well with Watford. But if if every time a bigger club, yeah, and I'm doing the kind of air quotation marks here, I can for, see you now, yeah. For, for those of you that are listening to the podcast <laughs> through the traditional iTunes uh, or Spotify, Spotify yes. or Acast, wherever else uh, you're listening, um, he he's like, yeah. If he does well at Saints, he's he's gonna be you know courted by lots and lots of other clubs, and if after nine games, which is how long it was when Everton expressed their interest at, at Watford, he's already thinking, right, well, this is it. I want to be out. That's that's not the kind of manager that Saints are going to go for, is it? It's, an, it's a bit of an alarming character. There's two, I guess, bad character traits there. One yeah. is to have your head turned after mm. such a short amount of time is, is disrespectful. I know it's a short career, but come on, nine games is insane. Uh, and the second is to be so unprofessional as to the having your head turned means that you, what appears to be, you either completely lose your focus mm. or you manage to lose the focus of the very skillful group of professional men you're meant to be leading. Yeah, I mean, I heard that there were rumours coming from the Watford dressing room that players were saying, oh, will you take me to Everton with you and this, that and the other. So, I mean, the, the whole thing was so unsettling, not not just in terms of the manager and his focus, but, you know, the players as well they were thinking they, they wanted out. You know, Watford's pretty much on a free fall. They can only get points against, you know, floundering teams with, with no, no hope by, um, by no, cheating with a handball. So, no in-game management. I mean, it... I'd like to see us win this. We'd be we'd be through to the fifth round of the FA Cup. That would be a nice bit of a glimmer of hope, wouldn't it, for this season? Yeah. If we started progressing in that competition, and we can come to that, we'll come to the league table in a bit. But and can, on, can I also say twelve quid for a home game? That is a bargain. Is that what it is? Yeah, twelve quid this Saturday. Yeah, Here you go. Uh, I haven't bought my ticket yet, but it's incredibly tempting. It's very I mean, tempting. I know the train ticket will be more than double that, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I. 12 quid I, I love I like to see that funny though I wonder if the if the ground will be full and if we get to the final there'll be lots of sub stories about people oh you know what I couldn't make that game yeah. in the fourth round against Watford because of this that and, and then, the other. then you have to have like four tickets and they've got yeah. three yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I'm thinking about yeah I I, I, it's I'd almost worth just getting a ticket yeah. just, just in case just in case yeah well, I think um why not? We owe that. We owe. I mean, of all the teams this season, we owe Watford one because yeah. they they did us at home and then they cheated us at their place. We owe them it, and, and let's get a win. Let's let, if if you think about it, if you, we get a win, that will mean in four games we've had two draws and two wins. One of those draws against Spurs. That's uh, actually not a bad return. Yeah. All right, two of those cup games, but yeah, still yeah, they've got to just keep winning. Got to get the confidence. Either up. way, I mean, if we don't lose another game for the rest of the season, then we'll stay up. Yeah, and we'll win the FA. Cup. And we'll have won the. It'd be yeah. incredible season. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go for that. We're on a three-game unbeaten streak. <laughs> I like this this <laughs> Pellegrino <laughs> champ with his three games unbeaten. Um, but then the really, really, really big important game. This is critical, isn't it? This I think 
surely if Saints lost at home to Brighton, regardless of what the result is at Watford, Pellegrino would get sacked, wouldn't he? Who are they going to bring in? They're not going to sack him unless they know they could bring someone in. And they're, they're right, they might bring in Silva. They might do. Um, but you would think if they were going to do that, they would have fired Pellegrino uh, today mm. or tomorrow, uh, today being Monday, um, and and then they'll bring Silva in. Um, I, I do... I, I mean, that, 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 would, they... <laughs> that would be an interesting uh, narrative for the FA Cup yeah. game, wouldn't it, if they brought in Silver this oh, week? Yeah, it would be. I think uh, I think if you like put uh, Southampton Brighton into Google Translate, it would come up with six-pointer. It is intensely important, this yeah. game. And you just got to hope. It's on a Wednesday night. Um, you just got to hope that the pressure doesn't get to the Saints players. Because if you think, if you're Brighton, you came into that league and everyone said you were going to get relegated yeah. anyway. And there was no way you were ever going to possibly stay up. So the best you can possibly do is stay up. Yeah. And none of them would have been expecting to stay up. So, but Saints, there's pressure there. So how, how are we going to, how are we going to play this game? No doubt we'll, you know, start off quite well. The crowd will be behind us. You know, maybe get a goal, be one nil up, miss a few chances. Crowd will start getting edgy. Then they're going to really focus on the big man up front. I don't know. It looks like we've got to, one thing. We can, can, say, can we put them to bed? We've got a set. Haven't well, we got a bit more of a settled team now? What's starting to? Have we? I mean, you know, we know McCarthy's going to start. Yeah. But um, you know, Bertrand and and um and, and uh, Suarez at wing backs seems to be that he likes Hoyt. Mm. Maybe Steve. You know, we've got like what looks like a settled team now. Ward Prowse is coming into his own. Yeah, he's doing um, very well. Tadic, they don't is undroppable, and to be fair, he is the assist king. Then it's a he put up front. I don't know. We we seem to be a bit more with Hoiberg, with um, Romeo, Lamina. We do seem to be a bit more settled, a bit stronger. Yeah. So we, I mean, we've got to be Brighton. If we yeah. don't, then Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to be there next to my brother. Unfortunately, you're missing it. You've got work duties. I've got work duties. Yeah. It's anyway, it's so, so 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 key. Um, I'm going to give a couple more shout outs and there's actually something for us to think about for the next episode. Um, just a, a few kind of uh, nice words that we've had from Anthony Coombs, Saints Mike B, um, Chris O'Donnell said that we made his 40 minutes in the gym more bearable. Hope that January workouts are still going, Chris. Good. Go on, Chris. You can do it. If yeah. you keep going, you'll end up looking like John and I. <laughs> Um, Andrew Davis Matthew Knight Terry Cousins Northern Iron State Shirley Mush Dean Cook Russell Kelly Muckers all sent tweets to us uh, after the last one so thanks for that um, we also had David Stock uh, David Scott who wants to tell us about the Bible that's welcome thanks yeah, that's fine thank you um, thanks David uh, you know th- I mean this we're, we're different sort of saints um, Ben Sharman uh, he has an idea which he, which he reckons might fill some time in a future podcast. I don't think we've got enough time for it in this episode. But he has an idea on the best Saints eleven currently playing, including departed players. Oof. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's some really good ones there that we could have. I mean, let, let, let's 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 mull that one over. Maybe yeah, maybe listeners can kind of come up with what's your yeah. best Saints eleven um, of current players. Who would you have out there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, send it in, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Is this just Premier League or uh, is this anywhere on the planet? I think anywhere on the planet. And okay, also, interesting. 
at Saints FC podcast on Twitter as well. Let us know what you think. Um, finally, uh, Dan Hargraves, who is setting up a YouTube channel on Southampton. You may have seen him on a few ugly inside videos. Uh, if you want to see him on YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash Dan Hargraves. Um, he wants to know how should Saints approach next season as a Premier League side and as a championship side. Is he getting a little bit ahead of himself? Do we really want to start planning as a championship side. I mean, you already had some thoughts on this, Tom, uh, before we started recording. You, you were talking about the sort of players that you thought would be good in the championship for Saints. Yeah, well, there was. Well, I was coming at it from a different angle, which is um, John mentioned that the players, the, the maybe the fear of you know suddenly going into the bottom three actually has had a, maybe a bit of a galvanising impact on the players and you'd hope it does. Because I think as well, we are a team with, if you look at our squad, we've got a lot of players that, probably aren't guaranteed to get another Premier League contract, even mm. in the fickle football. So Forster, like McCarthy, Forster, Forster might not yeah. get a top, top team coming in for him. Stevens, Yoshida, Stephen Davis. Um, I think Romeo and Lamina would get out, but yeah. even like Ward Prowse, you're not guaranteed that like one of the good Premier League clubs would come in for him. And I, you, like Shane Long, yeah. Charlie Austin, I wonder if the, the, the fear of going down and, and what you hope is the knock on impact on their yeah. contracts. Um, you know, if you're a Birchand or you're a Swat, you know, Cedric, you know, you're out anyway, or, or a Lamina, that's fine. Or Bufa, you're gone. But you want, you, what you kind of wonder is like, are they going to get like a massive whack on their pay? Yeah. Is that going to have the little oomph they need to push on? Yeah. I mean, it, it would be interesting to know what's in their contracts. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, Portsmouth, our, our fishy friends mm. down the road, um, went bust in a big way is because all the players had this like 50%. If you win a trophy bonus, like they got 50% of their annual salary as a, as a lump sum, won the FA Cup and then crippled the club. Well, I saw Rod Rodwell is available from Sunderland on a free transfer because he is on something insane like £60,000 a week Yeah, uh, because when they got relegated they didn't put uh, a, a relegation a, 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 a relegation course so he's been creaming £3 million a week and he's only like 25 still it's incredible yeah um, so I mean Dan I, I think probably if we're going down to the championship yeah we shed the kind of lots of the big stars but I mean, you'd want you'd want the players that want to have a bit of fight, and I think there would be a bit more focus on the youth team if we start so. to get in the champion, if, championship. If, if we were in the championship next year, you'd expect Gallagher, Sims, yeah. McQueen, Ward Prowse would probably take captaincy. Yeah, Stevens, uh, Oberfem. You'd expect actually like Harrison Reed. We'd actually probably end up six or seven of our players would be yeah. youth players, and you know what? I'd love to watch that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because I'd love to watch that in the Premier League with them all having kicked on there. Premier League side, I think, you know, we we know what we need. We need a, a leader on the pitch, first and foremost. Um, I think another attacking option, another centre-back option. Yeah, I think a leader, I think it's a really good point. And I think we've we've lacked a leader um, since Van Dyke, and not since Van Dyke left, but since Van Dyke got injured. Yeah. Because I think even when he was back, he wasn't the leader we needed, and I, I think we've we've missed that, and we we look like we've we've missed the player that can grab a game by a scruff of the neck and just hack that ball away when he needs to. Right. Anyway, I, th I think that brings us, you know, nicely to the end of the show. 
Um, Tom, thank you very much for, for joining me on my sofa again. And Thanks, John. For providing the rather delicious Campo Viejo Rioja. And if anyone from Campo Viejo is watching uh, and he wants to send us a crate of Campo Viejo, we'd love that. Yeah, we'd, we'd happily drink a bottle yeah, on, uh, on every, every episode of the podcast. Um, of course, if you want to get in contact with us, obviously we're looking for a really catchy nickname for Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Uh, we're looking for your best Saints 11 of current players. Um, get in contact, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com, at saintsfcpodcast on Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Follow Acast us on Spotify. anywhere. Yeah, just just do it. And, and actually, you know what? We're coming up to our first birthday um, in a couple of weeks. And what would be a really, really good birthday present um for us from the saints fc podcast go out there and tell like five of your saints supporting friends to listen to the podcast and even better just show them how to use a podcasting app on their phone and download the first so episode easy. for them and just get them get them to play it along that would be a really us, really great present send us it? questions and you know do whatever you gotta yeah. do really um anyway so uh we've got an interview with paul jones coming up in the next week or so depending on when i get the chance to edit it um that should be quite interesting but i think you know i think that's it from from me and you tom so um ta-ta everyone thanks cheers bye